listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 90 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We've done 90 of these, where we're happy to inform you that 3rd and 93 didn't happen in a Maryland game, though we all assumed it probably would have at some point. Thomas, you just brought that up before the podcast, and I had actually forgotten about 3rd and 93 because it happened over a week ago. And then you said, it didn't happen in a Maryland game, and we're glad it didn't because we expected it to. And then I just thought, you know what? With some of the quarterback play Maryland has had in past years, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't. Yeah, and I mean, especially that play was half uh, Mississippi State's doing because guys just didn't fall on the football. They tried to scoop it up and couldn't. Suddenly um, became so, I mean, that takes. I mean, that takes two, you know, that, that kind of takes two teams, you know, trying too hard to, to, to happen. It, I still really can't believe that it did. Maryland's been at the wrong end of a lot of blowouts in the past, so I'm surprised that they didn't do that at some point, too, because, you know, Louisiana Tech was on the wrong end of that blowout, but... We also have somebody else very special joining us in this podcast as we try to get out of bye week mentality. One of the former editors of the Testudo Times and your friend and ours. Hi, Alex Kirstner. It's good to have you back. It's great to be back. How are you guys? I am doing about as well as I could considering the circumstances, but it's better now that you're on the show because you're going to do a great job of giving us context of where Maryland stands nationally because even though it's kind of hard to imagine there's a Maryland football bubble, there's certainly a Maryland football bubble, way more than there has been in past years. No doubt. I mean, how could you not be, you know, how could this place, how could College Park Maryland not be overwhelmed with excitement given the current state of affairs? You saw the crowd at the Towson game. You saw the crowd at the Towson game. It reminded me of most of the crowds that I went to, and that was like my freshman year. No one showed up, so hey, it it happens. But I'm assuming the fan interest will pick up, all things considered, because Maryland is actually going to start playing football teams at home starting this weekend. So you're wondering why we didn't have a show last week. What was that? I will say that the crowd might not have looked good on TV. The student section for the first half and – maybe halfway into the third before the starters got pulled, the student section was very good. The student section um, was never the problem. It was everything fun. else at, at those yeah, games. Yeah, and, and it, ended up, it ended up filling up. I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm here to, like, trash the Maryland crowd at this point. Like, I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at the crowd. It was so. 37,000 was the official number. I thought it would be a little bit higher, but I'm assuming they'll get a pretty healthy uptick on Saturday. But, yeah. Alex... We have you here to talk about a more uh, global perspective on Maryland football than we can get being in the very small Maryland football bubble. And now that everything that has happened has had a chance to marinate for a couple of weeks, and Maryland is on the fringes of the top 25 but not quite there, we're still trying to comprehend what Maryland is because I don't think we have enough of a sample size yet. But now that we've seen a little bit more from the rest of the country, and particularly the Big Ten, where do you think Maryland actually does stand? Uh, caveat that obviously we don't know until we get into uh, a more significant part of the schedule, but I do think that there's been real progress made. Uh, I think the offense is going to stand up by the end of the year as one of the better offenses in the country. Right now, it's been through two weeks, uh, the most explosive offense in the entire country, uh, at least if you go by the advanced stat ISO PPP, uh, which is a Bill Connolly creation that we have at SB Nation. Uh, part of that's just having Todd Johnson at running back. Uh, part of it's having a quarterback for 
a game plus Kasim Hill who can kind of push the ball down the field with his arm, which is something Maryland hasn't had uh, in the time that uh, that I've been at the school and following the program or didn't have while I was at the school. Uh, so the offense is going to be good, and, and I think uh, it's going to come down in large degree to how much progress this defense has actually made. I think the defense looked a bit iffy against Towson. Uh, I know Towson didn't actually score a lot of points, but they did get into Maryland territory a couple of times and uh, have more success moving the ball than you'd prefer. Uh, and Texas's offense, kind of on the other hand, Texas did not have a 41-point offensive performance. I mean, they had a couple of return touchdowns on, on both spe- I think three return touchdowns, uh, if I have that correct. Block field goal, uh, punt, and INT. You are correct. Yeah, so it was about a about a 20-point effort by the Texas offense. Um, so we've seen one pretty encouraging defensive performance and one not so much. Um, that's why I say until you get into the Big Ten, it's going to be hard to see. But I think good offense uh, and a defense that uh, could land in, in kind of any part of the spectrum there. It's true, and I agree with you on all of those assessments. And we knew the offense was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be this explosive. And it would be hard to believe that they're going to average what they're averaging now when they actually start playing teams that play defense and are FCS quality. But in my view, I think that the most impressive thing about the team, defensively at least, Thomas, and I know we talked about this before, was the athleticism of this defense. It looked a lot better than it did before, yeah? I mean, against Texas, we were wondering, did they have enough to compete with the athletes on Texas' side? And they did. And now they're going to play teams that have athletes like that every week. Will they be able to compete on that level? I think there's a mixed bag of evidence, but after a week to really prepare and go down to the nitty-gritty of what they did wrong, I think that there's a chance that the defense shows marginal improvement. This isn't going to be Clemson's defense, but if it's good enough, it gives their offense a chance to do what it needs to do to win. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um you know, th- there's definitely some athletes on on this defense, um, and a bunch of veterans as well. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, on the defensive line. Where I don't know what the long-term solution is, uh, where Jesse Annabonum had played. Um, I think what they did against Towson was they moved uh, Chandler Burkett across the line from defensive end to, to the buck spot, uh, and then they moved Savon Walker outside the defensive end. And then they went with two other defensive tackles. So, I mean, that's uh, a way to get bigger up front. It'll be interesting to see how they do that. Um, but the secondary looks pretty good. Uh, it was actually one of their strengths in Texas. And um, we, saw, we saw Antoine Brooks make more plays. We've seen a bunch of their corners still doing pretty good work. So, um, I think the defense is encouraging right now. It'll be interesting just if it holds up health-wise – I don't really know a ton about the depth um, at some spots, but uh, it it is encouraging, at least so far. I think they'll get a good test against UCF because we know they run a ton of pace, and that's what we saw last year. Although how much we can glean from the UCF game is debatable because of the bizarre circumstances because UCF hasn't played a game since August 31st. So how much we learned from this game, we'll preview it in a second. But Alex... I think the other thing that I've been doing the last two weeks is looking around at the rest of the Big Ten and seeing how some of the teams that Maryland is around at in terms of quality are playing and some of the teams that they are playing are playing. And it's been a mixed bag. And you start to think if Maryland plays at its best, suddenly those toss-up games, you might start to think slightly lead towards Maryland. I mean, Northwestern got blown out at Duke. That's not great. I don't think Duke's supposed to be that amazing of a team this year. 
Indiana had their struggles against Virginia, but they still won. Michigan State was good enough in against the teams that they had to beat. You know, Rutgers is still Rutgers. And then you think about some of the better teams in the Big Ten. Wisconsin and Penn State still look very, very good. But even Michigan and Ohio State have been underwhelming by our crazy expectations for them. So because of those performances, now that we have a bit more of a sample size with those teams, does your expectations for those Maryland games against those teams change a little bit? I think it changes to a degree with the game at Minnesota, but I still don't know that that's anything close to a sure win. Um, you know, if you'd have asked me before the season, I'd have been pretty confident that they were going to lose uh, at Minnesota and at Michigan State. I think those are now leaning a little bit more towards toss-ups, though I still wouldn't call Maryland at this point a favorite to win either of those. Um, still don't see anything on the table against Ohio State, uh, at Wisconsin, against Michigan, or against Penn State that, that they're going to win. Um, if Maryland can compete against one of those teams, that's great. Uh, but I think we have to see Maryland be competitive against a good team uh, before we believe that. And who knows, maybe it'll turn out that they beat a top 25 team at the end of the year in Texas, but I uh, need to see a bit more for those. So, yeah, I think if, if, if Minnesota turns out to not be great and we're still kind of getting a feel for, for that, they haven't really played anybody of consequence yet, uh, then Maryland could win that game for sure. Uh, and a home game against Northwestern is always, you know, it always looks maybe about 50-50. Uh, so I think if Maryland wants to make a bowl game, it's going to have to win those two. Um, not like, you know, there might be might be some route to steal another game somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just so hard given, you know, the way the Big Ten East stacks up and the fact that one of their crossover games is at Wisconsin, that they better hope that uh, those toss-over game, toss-up games go their way. I think that the biggest thing that I'm now thinking to myself is I don't expect Maryland to beat any of those of those teams that we mentioned, the big, the big teams in the Big Ten. But now, I, I mentioned this two weeks ago, and I think Thomas agrees with me, you now start to think that Maryland could be competitive in these games. And they probably will get blown out in one or two of them, but now you start to think, wait a minute, they're not going to get blown out in all four of them. And there's a universe in which I could see Maryland maybe winning one of those games. Don't know what universe that is. But it's a universe I can imagine existing. And Alex, I'm going to ask a very dangerous question here because we have you. If Maryland was to beat one of those four very good teams, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, which would be the most likely of those teams that they could or would beat in this made-up universe that I am imagining exists? I think that would be Michigan at home on November 11th, just because Michigan has not given any, any indication so far that it plans to play offense this year. And... You know, you know Maryland's going to do at least a decent job scoring. I don't think Maryland's going to get shut out against that team again. Uh, Did so they score three that, against them, or was that a, some other team? I think Maryland got shut out against Michigan two years ago. Um, maybe they, last two year. Two years ago I, they I, did. I forget what the number was last year. But at any rate, um, I think because Michigan's offense looks a bit clunky, uh, and that is a home game, I think that that would be the best chance of those four games. I don't, I don't really see it at Wisconsin or at Ohio State. Uh, and though I know that, um, you know, Maryland fans probably won't like to hear this, I, I think Penn State's offense is going to be a bit too much this year. Uh, I mean, they scored three against Michigan and Ohio State last year. I feel pretty confident in saying they'll score more than that in both of those games this year. Thomas, I think the thing when you think about the more the global standing of where Maryland is, I think they're like third in terms of receiving votes in both the AP and the coaches poll. Let's say they beat UCF and they go in at Minnesota. 
there's a really good chance they're ranked heading into Ohio State. Well, the last time that they were ranked, they went into another good team on the road and lost by 63 to nothing. Who, who remembers that, though? At this point, like, if they're not ranked now, would it take two wins for them to be ranked before they head into that game? And would they be worthy of a ranking if and when they get a ranking? Um, well, if they, if they win two games, they're definitely getting a number. I mean, they're just so close to it now. Um, if they win two, if they win two games in any sort of decisive fashion, I think nationally people know UCF is pretty good. So I, I think it could come as early as next week if, if they take care of business. Um, and would require a few teams to lose. Well, that, yeah, that I mean, seems like it's likely just, considering the yeah, way things have already gone. Happen anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think enough teams will definitely lose in two weeks. Um, so, you know, it'll it'll be tough to say. It's tough to say now, you know, because it'll take one or two more games uh, for us to know just kind of where they're at and if they're, you know, if they if they keep up the kind of fireworks and kind of, um, you know, at times really good defense that we've seen. Um, then I think there is totally a world where they're one of the top. 25 teams in the country. I don't, you know, I don't have any delusions of them being too much higher than that, but I think even that is, um, you know, aspirational at this point. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see just how they, they fare over the next couple of weeks and um, if they, you know, what, what kind of conversation is surrounding them when they head into Columbus. The crazy things that have happened already this year. Maryland being ranked is one that we didn't see happening, but now seems like it could happen, which is kind of crazy. And Alex, I think what we all sort of wanted Maryland to be aspirationally was the best of the rest in the Big Ten East. We knew that they weren't competing with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, but there was a reasonable chance that they could be better than Indiana and Michigan State. And again, those two teams have played two games each. Small sample sizes for them as well. But right now, Indiana's got a crazy offense just like Maryland does. And Michigan State, I still don't think we know enough about them to really say anything. Maybe we'll learn more when they play Notre Dame. There's a chance that Maryland can be the best of the rest of those teams, depending on how the way things go this season. And if they get there, however many wins they get, that, that would be a pretty big accomplishment for DJ Durkin and company in his second year if they could pull that off, yeah? It would be. Uh, I think that Indiana and Michigan State both are going to be pretty close to Maryland in the end. I, I'd be surprised if there was more than a game of separation between those teams at the end, uh, at least in the way of conference record. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you'd hope to stay uh, pretty well and clear of Rutgers. And, you know, if you can uh, win the games against Michigan State and Indiana— uh, which, you know, neither Indiana, I think, is the closest game they've got to a true toss up. Uh, that's a home game. The Michigan State game's on the road. Uh, would be impressive to win in East Lansing. I'm not sure that, that I think that's likely either. But uh, yeah, I mean, anything higher than uh, fifth place in that division would be, would be stellar. I think that the other question that I now have with Maryland is you saw what everyone said about. The Texas game, but a lot of that was on Tom Herman in Texas not being able to fix things with magic pixie dust. You didn't see a lot about Maryland, and I guess now because of the bye and then playing Towson, it's kind of gone into not the rear view, I guess. But what is the national conversation about Maryland when you bring up Maryland football and you're saying, "All right, what are we thinking about this team?" 
What do you get when you talk with more national writers about this team now that the Texas game is a little bit further behind us? Uh, mostly kind of like bemused joking about how they scored 51 points against Texas, uh, joking at Texas's expense. Uh, you know, I, I think that, to the, you know, we all follow Maryland's football program uh, extremely closely, uh, arguably too closely. And <laughs> yes, that's correct. I think that uh, the the rest of the college football world has better things to focus on until Maryland demonstrates that it's, uh, you know, more substantial than one win over a Texas team whose best win is against San Jose State. Well, it's only uh, win Mar- against San Jose State. Uh, it's only win. It's against San Jose State. So, um you know, while Texas having that night at USC the other night and almost winning that game uh, definitely was good for Maryland's profile, uh, I don't think that people have really formed full opinions about this Maryland team uh, that are any different than what they were until Maryland demonstrates that, you know, the old Maryland is, is no longer the thing. I think it was the most fun I've had on Twitter in a while, and there hasn't been a lot of fun on Twitter lately, to watch that game on Twitter after all of the boxing nonsense was over and we all started tweeting, Maryland's the best team in the Pac-12 because Texas is almost beating USA. It was the craziest thing I've seen in a while. And it was like, how can you argue with it? Because, I mean, I don't know what that says about Texas and getting better. And obviously, they're never going to play as badly on defense as they did against Maryland. But, you know, it was so weird. And I've never done that with a Maryland football team, Alex. And I know... None of us. Thomas certainly hasn't because he's younger than us. He's seen less Maryland football. You know, did you ever expect to be watching a game like that and thinking, this shows really well on Maryland as Texas went into the Rose Bowl and held the team we all thought was making the playoff, and they hung 51 on on the road. So weird, isn't it? Kind of weird. On the other hand, Tom Herman... You know, losing to Maryland but almost beating USC is a very Tom Herman thing to do. I could see that um, as well, yes. You know, last year at Houston, it was crushing Louisville and losing to Memphis and a handful of other teams. So uh, I think that Texas, given the talent that they have, uh, as much fun as they are to joke about when they lose and give up 51 points at home, uh, could show out to be a really good win. I mean, given that they play Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, and they already State. have two losses— uh, and Kansas State, but particularly the two Oklahoma teams, uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna lose four games. I mean, they're not gonna be better than eight and four. That'd be shocking if they were. Uh, but they could be a quality bowl team, you know, an Alamo Bowl type team. And uh, should that happen, then yeah, that that's gonna reflect really well on Maryland. And uh, that's it's new to have anything reflect well on Maryland. I mean, you're making kind of making baby steps, but that's important, and you have to get there. Can I also ask one thing about irrational fears after what happened with Kevin Sumlin with Texas A&M and the, uh, Jim Moore losing at Memphis and all this stuff? Is it okay that I'm already starting to irrationally fear teams wanting to pluck DJ Durkin and Walt Bell and it's their second year? <laughs> uh, I think that if Maryland's coaching staff gets hired away by somebody else, uh, then that's great news for Maryland because it means Maryland has made progress. Um, obviously the best case scenario is that you become a place where, uh, coaches don't leave, you know, you become a destination job. Um, there, I think in truth, there are only a small handful of those, uh, where you absolutely know you are not going to lose your head coach to some other place. Uh, a really, really small handful, you know, we're talking Texas, Alabama, um, despite, you know, Nick Saban, two Texas rumors a few years ago, Michigan, Uh, Ohio state, Michigan, Ohio state. I mean, places like that, you know, you're, you're pretty sure your guy's not going upward. Um, I, I would say that otherwise, if, if Maryland, 
is so good that teams want DJ Durkin uh, and they want to hire him. We're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. Uh, then that would reflect really well on the job that Maryland has done over the last couple of years, whenever that point came, if it ever came. I, I know I'm going crazy, but that's the first thing I thought of when Texas A&M gagged. It absolutely was. And, Thomas, I don't know if anybody else was thinking that, but this is just how I think as a fatalistic sports fan because all, everything with my teams goes horribly wrong at some point, and Maryland is no exception. But at a point, like, when do you think we start? I mean, this is crazy talk, but it's off a of bye week and off a of Towson game, so this is what we have to talk about. When do you think we're going to start to hear people link DJ Durkin and, to a lesser extent, Walt Bell to other jobs in big programs in the Power Five? Because – at some point, if Maryland continues to grow the way we think they can grow, that's going to happen. Well, I've already seen it. Um, Have you? I, I, so I saw – well, it's nothing like official, but I saw it, one of those you know, crazy post-loss message boards uh, on Texas A&M, and DJ Durkin was on their list. And A&M, I we think – We should ask that regent that posted the nasty stuff about Kevin Sumlin on Facebook. I think and ask him more than thinks. anything – I think more than anything, that's because Durkin beat Texas, and they just that love anyone who beats true. Texas. I, I would seriously doubt, again, way ahead of ourselves, I would really doubt that uh, it would be Texas or a Texas school. Um, you know, DJ yeah, Durkin's had – it's not where his, his, his footprint really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Florida I think schools that, you know, can be concerned about. Also, if, if A&M's in the market for a coach, their first call is, I think, the SMU guy. Um, oh, good, good point. Uh, well, so. I mean, that, that'll be, if, if A&M opens, that'd be a really interesting search, uh, all around. Um, but that's, well, this is not A&M podcast, but, so. But the things, the things you look for, I mean, you look at, obviously, regions where guys have connections, but you look at, you know, where is the athletic director that hired him elsewhere? Where is the head coach that hired him elsewhere? Um, you know, obviously, he spent 2010 onward, uh, until the year before he came to Maryland or Florida, um, spent a year at Michigan. I mean, you look... If those things ever happen, I mean, you're looking to programs, you know, sometimes guys return when they're former assistants uh, or they follow around athletic directors, things like that. So it's just so hard to predict, um, especially while Maryland is still, you know, kind of in its infancy of, of its growth under him. Um, but, yeah, I think if Maryland was ever going to lose its head coach, I, I don't think it would be to a school in Texas unless something changed. Florida. Yeah, one thing I will say that – one thing I'll say is that I think – Durkin is one of, you know, you have to be a, a certain kind of, you know, just, just wired a certain way as a coach. I think Durkin legitimately thinks he can build a national title contender at Maryland. And I think it would take Agreed. a lot. I think it would take a lot for a school to convince him to leave that before he actually does. Especially because oh, sure. he's, yeah. he, he's, he's got a young family here, too. I think, I mean, I, I don't think we can just ignore that. I think that's, you know, well, there's a lot of things that would have to happen getting any power five coach uh out of his job to get hired up to another place i mean this only happens once or twice a year uh, at the most um we were talking about this when all miss fired hugh freeze back in the summer uh you know everyone talks about it and because you know anytime a big program's looking for somebody you know your name coaches are guys who are either in the, in the nfl uh or coaching somewhere in the power five uh, or are lane kiffin uh, <laughs> or a big time offensive coordinator or something like that well, um, it's actually it's actually it actually turns out to be really unusual uh that teams hire up from power five from guys who are power five head coaches because to leave those jobs uh you know it means giving up if teams want you it means you're giving up a lot of job security if you go 
uh, you can obviously use those things as leverage to get more money, more term on your deal. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, it's it's not something that should really be worried about at this point for, for Maryland fans. I, I don't think it should be either. I just think that when you see wins like that, when it's a program like Maryland, you instantly start to think, or at least I do, well, uh-oh, somebody's going to be like, I think it's more likely that Walt Bell leaves for a head coaching job rather than DJ Durkin, but that's neither here nor there. Speaking of assistants that are now co- head coaches somewhere that are really good with offense, let's quickly talk about UCF and Alex. We know UCF is one of the better up-and-coming teams in a very weird American where you still have Houston, who's pretty good, we think. USF finally looked like the USF team we all thought they would. And then you have this UCF team that could score a million bajillion points, and Maryland needed two overtimes to beat last year. And they're coming into College Park, but they haven't played a game since August 31st. So this is a really weird game for both teams. And I have a feeling it's going to be a crazy shootout. But it'll tell us a little something about Maryland and whether they can deal with the pace of offenses that they might have to deal with later on in the year. Uh, it will. Yeah, UCF is, uh, you know, obviously they're coached by Scott Frost, Nebraska legend who used to run the option there. Um, so it doesn't surprise, and a former Oregon offensive coordinator. So I don't think it surprises anybody, but that they have uh, a bit of an idea how to navigate an offensive field. Uh, I don't think they were amazing on offense last year. In fact, I think they were near the bottom of the country by the advanced stats and only pretty middling in terms of points per game. Um, they can they can do the pace thing. Uh, they were top 40 or so in adjusted pace last year, and uh, they have you know for a group of five team especially they do have some athletes. Uh, they have a couple kids on their team who uh, Maryland recruited uh, and you know who had power five offers and wound up there. So uh, not a team to sleep on. I think they're a better team than the one that Maryland beat last year when they were just coming off 0 and 12 and just kind of installing things under a new coach. So. Uh, it's not a gimme win by any stretch. Uh, still, I do think Maryland should win. I would agree with that. And Thomas, in a Maryland perspective, what are we looking for in this game? I think at this point we kind of know the offense is going to be pretty dang good. Uh, that's been the case most of this season, and it should be the case against a team that doesn't seem to have the defense to keep up with a Maryland team that put 51 and 64 up on two teams, even if they aren't the best uh, examples of defensive solidity. But what are you looking for in this game? Because it is such a weird one for the Terps, considering what UCF is coming off of, and they're coming off of their bye week. It's a bit of an in-between kind of a trap game in a weird way, don't you think? I don't know about trap game. I think it's more just, it's kind of a rust game for everybody. I mean, UCF had two unplanned bye weeks. They didn't, like, they, they left school. They they didn't meet as a team because there was a hurricane where they were. So I mean, so they're they're all over the place. No one knows where they're going to be at. Um, Maryland's off its bye week. I mean, I th- you know you you plan for that. I think um, you know I don't really expect like a, any sort of a letdown from them. So I mean, I think based on that, you would probably have to give them whatever other edge um, you can out of that. It it's very interesting. I I really don't know what we should expect from this UCF team because again they they've only played one game this year we we saw the stride they were going to make last year and all all we know of is that this is almost certainly a better team uh it is a talented team um yeah i think it, they'll test they'll test Maryland's defense um Maryland's defense has been tested before they actually 
like Texas got a lot of yards against Maryland's defense, but couldn't finish off drives. And that was partly because uh, Maryland made plays when it needed to, and partly because Texas uh, killed itself with a lot of penalties. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you know, how how UCF is able to attack them and how effectively that is. And I think that'll ultimately determine uh, if if they have, you know, what kind of a shot UCF has to pull off what wouldn't wouldn't be a stunner but it would be a bit of an upset oh it certainly would be an upset it would be an American team winning at a team that beat Texas already and I can remember Ryan saying on our season preview pod there's a universe in which Maryland beats Texas and loses to UCF and I was like nah that doesn't exist I think that was me was it you I I thought it was it was either you or Ryan I don't remember so we're we're gonna you said we were gonna cross that bridge when we came to it oh we're like cross that bridge now (laughs) yeah we're like halfway over that bridge and uh yeah we're just kind of looking around. I don't know what to do yet. And the problem is uh-huh. I put that on the air, so it's on the internet now and it can't be taken away, and that concerns me. But you know what? I've said a lot of things that are on the internet and can't be taken away. Alex, I want to ask you one question about Kasim Hill, and now that you see how quarterback play in college football you know, has evolved and for Maryland, you have no basis for any sort of good quarterback play because we haven't seen that since we started following the team. We're the same year out of school. So – with Kasim Hill, and especially after the injury to Tyrell Pigram, we know Hill was such a touted recruit and such an exciting player. But in his first five quarters, did you really think that Maryland was going to get what they've gotten out of Hill, this poised, this player that has all the athletic tools and has the best arm of any Maryland quarterback that I've seen since, I don't know, I need to ask Dave Tucker that question because I can't answer it. But, you know, with, with Hill... Did you think we would get this great of a performance from him, again, considering the competition this soon? I don't think anything's too surprising because, you know, the first – I think the, the, the most unsurpri- – or the most surprising thing, excuse me, uh, was that third and 19 that he hit uh, at Texas that turned out to pretty much seal that game. Uh, and he was three of three for 40-something yards that game. Uh, he's so talented that I don't think it – surprises anybody that he shredded uh Towson. I mean you'd not to say that you expect uh, a stat line like like his uh in a game against anybody uh but it was Towson. So I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I think he's great. I think he's going to be the best quarterback Maryland's had in a pretty long while. Um but I'm not shocked um just cuz it was kind of a limited sample against Texas and then it was just him doing what I'm sure he expected of himself. Uh, against a less talented opponent. I, I think the biggest shock for me with Kasim Hill was not how he performed. That one third and 19 throw was crazy, of course, and then Towson is Towson. But I think what was shocking to me was that Maryland had a great performance from Tyrell Pigram, and Maryland doesn't have great quarterback performances. Then he gets hurt, and there's no drop-off. That's what I think I'm most surprised by, and maybe I shouldn't be. As Thomas was reporting from trading camp, the guys were pretty much neck and neck, and they went for Pigram basically for experience, and that Hill could have easily won the job, but the fact that there was almost no drop-off and that Maryland suddenly had a quarterback controversy in a good way was something that just was completely out of field and something that I never expected to say as a Maryland fan, considering all the quarterback controversies that Maryland has had in the past was going from one bad option to another bad option. I think that's what surprised me the most, and, you know, whether it is, I mean, to get Tyrell Pigram to make the leap that he made from year one to the brief time we saw him in year two and then have a true freshman quarterback hit the ground running, it says a lot about this coaching staff, doesn't it? I think it says a lot about how both the coaching staff uh, was able to recruit Kasim and finally get that blue-chip quarterback. And I think 
It also says a lot about how they were able to uh, develop Pigram in just really a year and a half. I mean, he showed up, you know, really just over a year. I mean, he showed up in, you know, last summer, uh, had to play during the fall because he was suddenly the number two option, even though you know, he clearly wasn't ready. You know, just to see the strides he had made, you know, that's one thing. So, I mean, that, that definitely speaks a lot to his development, coaches, um, getting him ready. And I think, you know, Kasim was, you know, Kasim Hill was the best quarterback recruit they've gotten, I think, since like quarterback ratings were a thing. Uh, recruiting rankings might have been a thing. So it's um, obviously it's still surprising, though, to see how effective he's been right away because um, we've seen some other pretty highly rated quarterbacks uh, step in and not do well. I'm thinking Kellen Mond over at A&M um, was, was rated higher and has struggled a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's definitely on, you know, it, it reflects well on the coaches and both quarterbacks and probably, you know, competing with each other and being in an environment like that, I think definitely made them both better. Okay, Alex, one final question before we leave on the general scheme of college football. Is there anything that Maryland fans should watch on Saturday when we're not watching Maryland hopefully beat UCF that would be of interest to us in the future, whatever that may be? Anything that would be of interest to Maryland in the future? Like, like as well, in, like, who do you think that Maryland fans should be, like, interested in in terms of watching, in you know, their next sure. opponent's off and... Things uh, like that. I will say in the the Big Ten at large, uh, it is in this is in general a week slate on Saturday. The best game is TCU Oklahoma State. You don't care about that. Most people outside of those respective fan bases don't well, care I, about I find that. It interesting because Mason uh, Rudolph might be a Jaguar next year. Mason Rudolph is great, but uh, at four o'clock Eastern on uh, Saturday is Michigan against Purdue. Uh, Purdue, I am they are my kind of hipster second team this year. Uh, they are, I don't know if they're good, but they're definitely dangerous. You know, like they're kind of like a radioactive material that you'd rather not get on your shirt kind of thing. (laughs) Um, they're just, I think they're very, I think they're very interesting. Uh, Jeff Brom was, he was a, a smashing success at Western Kentucky. Uh, he has brought some of his kind of creativity and offensive flair and trick play savvy with him to Purdue. Uh, they absolutely whomped the hell out of Missouri at Missouri last week. Uh, and they're playing Michigan. And Michigan has looked so iffy um, pretty much across the board this year. So uh, that is a that is a good one. And that's one where uh, at least one team, Michigan, is on the schedule. Uh, I would not urge anybody to watch Penn State, Iowa. Well, well I would. I, the reason I don't why, know. well, obviously because there's a chance that Penn State will lose, but also because Iowa is amazing, and I went there, and Kinnick Stadium at night's really cool. And um, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be a fun atmosphere. Um, not the football, but you know. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't in general advise that people watch Iowa football games <laughs> unless they are in a state of mind where they're truly feeling it. Um, yeah, those are good ones. I think uh, the the noon shift is fairly barren. Arkansas, Texas A&M, uh, which could be between two terrible teams. I'm not sure. Probably um, is. That's going to be interesting because uh, whichever team loses, it's going to be like, you know, like we really want to fire our coach. Like that's going to kind of be the response for either one of those teams. It's going to be quite anxious, I would think. And yes. uh, yeah, that might, that might top the noon slate. Obviously Maryland's at three. So 
Uh, it's a weird one time that I to mentioned. start a game. It is. It's actually, I think it's the only FBS game that starts at three uh, yep. this week. So they, if you if you are Thanks, jonesing Fox. for a pick three, then yeah, Fox Sports uh, FS1 is going to have that. Are they, they better get used to that. Are they channel. airing a game at noon? Are they airing a game at noon? No, they had something uh, else before then. They may be. Yeah, they I guess, they're not airing yeah, a game before then. Yeah. yeah. Because if it, if it was if there was going to be a game at noon, I mean that was you know games take three and a half hours. That was going to cut into the Maryland window. No, I so. will actually because I can do this uh, and I have way too much time on my hands to care about TV listings for sports channels. I will tell you what is airing before that uh, at the early afternoon slate on FS1. Hopefully it's a Bundesliga game. It's actually NASCAR camping trucks. It's a truck series race, and then there well, are Central Florida Maryland, which is that's fun. Weird. I remember a camping trucks uh, race that actually pushed the start of Maryland-West Virginia a couple years ago to FS2 for whatever reason. But, Alex, you made a good point on Jeff Brown that I want to say quickly before we leave. That's kind of the way I think a lot of teams and a lot of individuals who are neutral might think about Maryland. They might think of them in the same way they think of Purdue with a crazy offense and a fun offense and a team that can be dangerous in a lot of different games. I think that might be the best way to describe Maryland is the way you just described Purdue. So, Hey, I'm glad they don't. Well, if they played each other, it would be 50 to 53 or something crazy. Glad we got uh, got Purdue last year when uh, they were terrible. So true. Thank you, Alex. Please tell everybody where they can find your stuff if they already don't know that, which they should. Oh, uh, anytime you can read us at uh, explanation.com/slash/college-dash-football and uh, keep reading the good folks. They're doing great work on the home front at, uh, at TT. Yep. Thomas, uh, it's been good to have you back, and you were told me before the show that you were uh, not feeling the best, but you didn't have any sounds of that, so congratulations. You made it through a podcast without coughing. Until now, of course, you'll I'm, inevitably I'm cough. I'm so proud of myself. I Thomas, know. how's, so your, how's your golf game right now? Uh, it, it's it's going all right. I mean, it's not. I haven't played good golf in a while. Um, Sam. Hopefully, try Thomas to get out of the, the best golfer, the best golfer on the Tostado Time staff in, in a while, probably ever. <laughs> no, Jerry Goldstein's better than I am. Oh, is he really? Oh, really? Yeah, Jared shot a 72 a couple weeks ago. Oh, Jesus. no way. Wow. Yeah. Was that, at the, that was at the uh, the school course. No. Oh, no, was it? it was at a course uh, back in his home. He lives in Ocean City. So, I mean, oh, I haven't well, I have played then. Jared at golf all the time. We're going to have to have a Testudo Times, like, videos. We could have great videos on the site of you two going up against it in golf. That's something I want to say. I would lose, so... Well, not you, anyway. Alex. I'm talking about Thomas and Jared. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas yeah. and Jared would be interesting. Have you the most That's golf right. I've watched in years? Anyway, yeah, I, I, it would be fun. I would totally watch the hell out of that if it was live streamed or it was on the website. Anyway, thank you so much for being here, Alex. It's a great pleasure to have you on, and maybe we'll have you on again when Maryland plays against better teams. And you got to give us your contacts when Maryland plays big teams, so we can have great people talking about those teams with us because again we live in a bubble but until then of course enjoy the game on saturday go terps